I think more men need to do yoga because it boosts your awareness and boosts your self-esteem, your strength, your power. And get this, fellas, it improves your sex life. It does because you're stretching, you're becoming more flexible, which allows you to be more flexible when you're with your partner. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Wida L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast, episode 34. Today, I welcome a special guest, Dana Hammer. She is presently in yoga teacher training. She's loving the journey into yoga so far. She feels her purpose is deeply rooted in teaching the benefits of yoga, particularly to the Black community. She wants to improve mental health and well being of all. She thinks yoga is instrumental in doing this. Her journey with mental health helped her determine the necessary tools to manage stress, anxiety, racing thoughts, and mild depression. Yoga and meditation have been found to be amazing healing agents, and she wants to share them with the world. Her ultimate goal is to teach how these tools will help improve the overall mental health and well-being, particularly in the Black community and other people of color. Self-care is the best care. And all too often in our quest to conquer the world, we forget about ourselves. Her purpose is to disrupt that and normalize wellness. Please welcome Dana Hamer. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you, Dr. Brown. My name is Dean Lavinia. I'm a yoga teacher in training. I also do free classes on the side. I'm also a podcast host of my very own show, Talks with Daily Styles. And I'm really just here to speak with more to the topics around yoga, some misconceptions, some yoga poses that are really great for relieving anxiety. Yoga poses that are great for beginners and kind of just, like I said earlier, just tackling some of the myths around yoga um, and masculinity and what that looks like in the modern world today. And breathing techniques too. So I'm happy to dive in to that today with you guys. So you mentioned that you suffered from depression. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. I didn't even talk about that. Yeah. So I'll definitely tap more into that (laughs) and just sharing my story with it. So from a very young age, I've always suffered. um, Like, I don't know. I just remember just feeling very alone, like nobody understood me. And I just grew very, like, very depressed. And I think what contributes to that, I grew up in a very predominantly white neighborhood. So that kind of European standard of beauty was always pushed in my face. And I think the media is kind of also to blame for that as well. 
And, you know, it wasn't really that cool to be dark skinned back in the day. I had glasses and I had braces. So like I had my ugly face and I didn't think I was ever attractive. So my self-esteem was already shot. And honestly, it was a period of time where I grew to be very suicidal, like had suicidal thoughts. Like I've never tried to do it, but it was just a really dark time for me. I just remember thinking like, you know, I feel like a piece of furniture, like I'm just here. So this happened my junior year of high school. I started to have these suicidal thoughts and the depression just came about. And then I ended up going to therapy, say my senior year of high school. So what made you go to therapy? Did someone recommend it or you just realized it didn't yeah. really help yourself? I just, yeah, I think the moment that the suicidal thoughts came about, like, cause I was like, okay, like, let me see if I can get my hands on some pills that could kill me. So I think that's when I realized like, all right, this is not right. Once the suicidal thoughts started to come in, that's when I'm just like, you know, I'm not mentally there yet. And this was junior year. I was going through this and my, in my head, I'm just like, I want to make sure that I'm mentally strong enough to be able to one, just be able to cope with stress. Cause honestly it was just stress and me feeling like I didn't have any friends and just feeling like a, a very alone. Like I didn't have anyone to talk to. And I knew I was like, this is, this seems very circumstantial. <laughs> like it didn't, I just kept reminding myself, like, this is really not you, Dana. And I think that was in some ways the devil trying to get to me. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the type of prayer life I had back then as I do now, but like, I knew God was real. And I'm just like, this is not what God has for me. So did you talk to like a parent or something? What made you actually like, how did you? Yeah. Um, so as I'm saying, honestly, I didn't really talk to this thing. I didn't talk to anyone about this. I just, I just intuitively knew like I need to get help. Like I didn't talk to anybody. Like it's not like I came from a household that didn't encourage therapy. Like my my own parents went to therapy years and years ago. But it, I, something I intuitively knew. Like and I contribute that. I can kind of say like I'm a very intuitive person. Like I just listen to what my own self is saying, and I say and I'll say God as well. But yeah, I just knew something was wrong with me. And I had to get help. So you just sought it out on yourself. Yourself. That how did you find the person that you ultimately ended up going to? Yeah, so this was, I would say my senior year, I just went to my mom and I told her like, you know, I think I was kind of depressed my junior year and like, I want to see a therapist to make sure I'm set before, when I say set, like speak to someone about what I was going through, maybe just kind of speak to a therapist just to get like professional help before I go off to college. So I just went to mom, just like, I want to see a therapist. So I took it upon myself to go to my mom and tell her that I want to see somebody. That wasn't my first time in therapy. I actually have to remind myself that my father passed away when I was seven. So my mom had us in therapy, me and my brother then. But um, that was like the first time I actually sought out therapy for myself. So it, nobody really encouraged me to do it. I just knew I, I had to do it to help me. That experience, I don't honestly it was okay I think the therapist I have now is better for me just because it's a black woman and I feel like she can understand where I'm coming from on certain topics like I didn't really feel very seen with the white therapist I was working with and like she didn't some of the things I would say she just really didn't understand from like a cultural perspective that's a little bit about my sort of depression. And I so what was the process of you finding the initial therapist and then you ultimately get into the therapist you now? Did you just pick the first one that was on your insurance? Or how did the process go? Yeah, so at this time I was 
six and I was 17. So I was under my mom's insurance. So it was just whatever was whoever accepted my mom's insurance at the time is who I went to and who was in the area. And there was a low copay. So I didn't, there wasn't the tools we have now where you have therapy for black girls. We didn't, I don't think there was any of that back in 2013. No, 2012 was when I went. But yeah, no, that's just through my mom and she found it and she was, she set the appointment up for me. Was there a stigma involved? Did you like not want to tell people that you were going to therapy or how was that process? Oh, such a great question. I was scared to tell people like I back in 2012, like it was still pretty stigmatized. Like if you went to therapy, you were considered like something's wrong with you. You know, they people who have schizophrenia, like they associate therapy with people who are like really, really, really sick in the head. And like, that's not at all what it is. And like I said, I, I would say maybe more my grandparents may have said like, don't go to therapy, like just pray to God, like he's gonna solve all your problems. But my mom's generation and, you know, everything below that, like, no, they encourage therapy. So, um, yeah, I kind of went on a tangent there. <laughs> I just forgot your question. No, did the, the um, yeah. I guess I was asking about the stigma. Did you have, were you like? Yeah, not really. No, not to my, my mom was, um, my parents are very supportive of that, but mostly my mom, she encouraged that. Like, you know, since she, up until I was eight until like 18, she pretty much raised, she raised me. So she always encouraged that. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that you felt like you were alone. Did you have friends? Or you just really felt like you couldn't really talk to them about what was going through like they wouldn't understand? I felt like I couldn't talk to them about that one and two. I really felt like I had no friends. Like I remember like my, fr- like I wasn't really a junior. I don't remember being involved in too many other things, like too many like extracurricular activities. Like I did track and field, but that wasn't very fulfilling. Like I had no idea who I was. Like I felt like I was not comfortable in my skin and I relied on other people for my happiness. So I was very, <laughs> I was very, and I think about it and I laugh. I shouldn't be. I was in a very, I was a very low point. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just felt people would call me crazy if I told somebody what I was and the thoughts that I was having. And then like when I got to college and I started telling more people about what I went through, they're just like, you know, I went through the same thing too. I have no one to talk to about it. I could I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to. And I felt so like less alone. Like I felt like someone understood like where I was coming from for the longest. I, I just, I don't know. It, it's just like, I was afraid. I think fear, afraid of what people might say them judging me and you know your friends are not supposed to judge you but I was still afraid to hear what they would say or they might invalidate my feelings and I think we do that a lot like oh it's you're just the phase like people try to dismiss what you're going through and it's just like no like I'm these thoughts are real that I'm having like these feelings are real like I don't want you to try to dismiss it and that's what I was afraid was ultimately going to happen they were going to tell me it's not that serious like it's all in your head but yes it is all in my head mm-hmm. but like it's we, I have to find a way to resolve the issue because it's not going to go away on its own. So you had therapy in high school. Did you have therapy in college until now? Do you continue to have therapy? Yeah. So in college, I did not. I think I felt like I built better friendships where I could talk to them if I was having like mm-hmm. a really low day. I would definitely say my, um, and I'm going to send this to my friend after the recording is over. I would say my one of my really good friends I had in college, she was my roommate sophomore year. I think we both helped each other because we both kind of had struggled with our mental health. I would say being friends with her really helped me feel less alone. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting emotional, but she like 
helped me feel validated for what I went through. And like, mm-hmm. I felt less alone when I would talk to her about the things I was going through. So I would say mm-hmm. the friendships I formed in college helped me kind of deal with it. Cause I would just talk to them. Once I got to, when did I start going back to therapy? I think it was like 2017. Like I went back because I think there was like a lot of stuff going on. I think, you know, I'd broken up well, I was dealing with somebody and they kind of, they hurt me. So I was trying to mm-hmm. find ways to just cope with that. So I've kind of been in therapy throughout my life at different points. Like I do go back when I feel like it's necessary. So once the pandemic hit, I went back to therapy in like April and I've been, mm-hmm. I'm still in therapy right now. So mm-hmm. I've been, you know, going forward like now, like right now I'm fine, but I still, you know, go to therapy to help with my interpersonal relationships and deal with anxiety. And things I think like therapy that. is good. Even when you don't have any issues, yeah. maintenance therapy, just to have a person that's like kind of outside of your circle to kind of just yeah. share your thoughts, the non-biased opinion. Yeah. Um, I think if your insurance, or if you can afford it, I think it's a good thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if people, for people who even don't have insurance, I mean, you have things like, like I said, like yoga, we'll get into that later. Like yoga poses that help with alignment and improving your mental health and well-being. I mean, there's there are a lot of other things you can do to improve your mental health. And that's really like some of those activities like I did in college. Like I would do a lot of running. I would exercise a lot. I didn't meditate actually at all, um, but I exercise a lot. So that really helped and bo- boost my endorphins. So I'm more happy. <laughs> You mentioned by the grace of God you were here, that you're here to tell your story yeah. that when you have thoughts of suicide. Are you a religious or spiritual person? I would say I, I'm i more spiritual. Like, I'll be honest, like, I don't do everything by what the Bible says, but, like, I, I am very spiritual. Like, I have a relationship with God. I do. But, yeah, I'm more spiritual. I'm not, I'm not really denomination. Like, I don't have a denomination. I just believe in God. Jesus died on the cross for us. And, yeah. I know some, I guess this is along with the stigma. Some yeah, people who are spiritual or religious say that, you know, it's something wrong with seeking professional help yeah. when you have mental, um, mental health challenges. So, but I feel that God works through professionals. Like if you had an, another illness, like high blood pressure, die, a heart attack, let alone, you would go seek medical care and that guy works through them. And so he also works through mental health professionals. But I know some people don't equate the two. Yeah. And I don't know why, because there's many people in the Bible who have sought counsel out from other people. So it's just like, okay, you know, people interpret the Bible how they want to, but I know, I, I know what it says about counseling and meditation. So mm-hmm. that is one piece of the, the scripture I, I paid attention to. But for anyone who's like thinking that, oh, you know, I don't want to go because of what people might say, it's really nobody's business but your own. Like we have to start thinking of our mental health, like our physical health. If you break your knee, if you, I don't know, if you get into an accident and like break your back, you're going to go to the doctor and get healed and get fixed. We have to have that same approach with our mental well-being because life is going to always life. You're going to always have things that you're stressed about. And Stuff happens. (laughs) Stuff happens. So, yeah, I would just, you have to do what's best for you. That's true. It's interesting. When I suffer from depression, I thought I could basically fix myself. And one of my friends, he told me, he made this analogy, which actually made me go. He said if somebody broke their bone because I'm an orthopedic surgeon, 
um, would I tell them to fix themselves? And I said, that's crazy. He's like, why are you trying to fix yourself? And after he said that, I realized that I need to seek professional help. And I did. So it was uh, it, it, him and that analogy kind of mm-hmm. made it real. Like, like there's nothing wrong for me. And my mother was a counselor. So I don't know why I had this <laughs> stigma. So You didn't just go. Yeah. You left? Yeah. Hmm? Were you oh, afraid? To no, it's just first? the fact that I didn't feel Were like afraid to go I needed first? to go. I figured that it would kind of go away. I can fix myself that I really didn't need. A professional yeah. person telling them all my business, and you know, it just was, yeah. you know, so I understand. <laughs> so, last year you were furloughed, stressed, and just I guess hoping for a better tomorrow. And then you prayed and you found about yoga. Tell yeah. me about that experience and how you discovered yoga and how it's added to your life and helped with your depression and overall health. Yeah, um, so. Yoga is like very accidental. How I stumbled upon it, I had no. I didn't just wake up one day and it's like, oh, I'm gonna do yoga. I did yoga for the first time in high school. I never really took it seriously. It was just a part of my gym class, and you know, I w- what was this March? Okay, so end of March. So you had yoga. Let me stop you though. You had yoga in your gym class. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't even know what yoga was when. Well, I guess I'm older than you, but I didn't know what yoga was when I was in high school. Pretty much. Really? Because it's been like right. Like it. We'll get into that later. But it's very westernized. <laughs> like it's it was brought over here in like the very early 18th century. Um. But anyway, I was really stressed. I was think the end of March is when I was officially furloughed. But before that. It was just really stressful at my job. People were so like rude over the phone. They were completely tone deaf about what was going on. They didn't care that we were in the middle of a pandemic. Companies had to try to adjust. No one's ever dealt with this before. So I think just dealing with the stresses of work, my anxiety, just, oh my God, like it just shot up the roof. I, I can say I probably have mild anxiety, but then it definitely was at its worst. I was ready to throw my laptop. I was just so irritable. Like I was just worried all the time. And I was just praying. Like, I think I've meditated. Like, I never really meditated, but I've, I've looked, looked into it and saw, like, the benefits it brought. And I kid you not, once, uh, I think my very, my second to last day of working before I was furloughed, I think I meditated for about an hour. An hour just sitting still. And I just, you know, I cried. I laughed. I just let whatever come out just come out. And it was just an eye-opening experience. And then I just prayed on it. I'm just like, God, like, I just don't want to feel like this anymore. Like, what like what can I do to just, I don't know, just feel better? Like, what, what is it you want me to do? So I was doing some researching and I stumbled across this yoga program, this yoga teacher training program that was offering a really huge discount. You know, at that point, I was getting unemployment. So, <laughs> and I was still saving my money, mind you. I've been saving my money. So I was just like, let me just make the investment, you know? So, how um, much is a typical um, yoga program? program? Great question. If you're not like getting a scholarship, it's going to probably run you about at least $1,000 or less, like a good program, okay. like a really good program. Cause I'm sure you've seen in the ads, maybe, maybe not. Like there are some programs that cost $300, $200. I personally would not trust it. You need to check to make sure they have the proper affiliations. Anything that's less than like anything, $300, $400, I'm, I'm questioning it. 
Mm-hmm. Like, wh- what are you doing in the program that's making it so cheap? Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's really going to give you the fundamentals of what yoga is, where it originated from, being taught all the different types of yoga, which I know you wanted to talk about today. But um, yeah, it's don't trust it if it's like $300. So the, how long is the program usually? Like, how long would it take someone to complete it? Or, I could take as long as you need to oh, really? need it to take. Okay, it's yeah, not like I mean, starting like like a year or like so many courses, so many. Um... Yeah, so it's not really required for you to complete it in a certain amount of time. Okay. It's recommended you do it within a year. Okay. I'm giving myself a full year to complete it. Okay. Like I'm, I have like three more chapters left, but um. Yeah, I'm giving myself a year to complete because I don't want to rush it. Like, it's still, I'm, it's so much stuff to learn about yoga. Like, I, and it's just like so many different forms of yoga. Like, there have been like different forms of yoga that people have brought that from India have brought over here in the last, I would say, 20 years. So it's like new forms of yoga that celebrities are practicing. Mm-hmm. So there's just so much to learn. And I'm just trying to take it all in and so I can educate people in our community specifically so to in order to teach do you have to have in mean, most places do they require the training and do they require like proof or a certification or like certificate mm-hmm. in order to to teach especially particularly like yoga studios do they require that yes they do require your teaching for a certain amount of time and they do most of them do uh, require certification accredited by the yoga alliance like that's like you know when you think of schools and their accreditations again you have to be accredited by the yoga alliance they do look for that and just being able to direct and guide and knowledge the knowledge is very big but i mean the thing about yoga is unique you're always going to be a student there's always going to be something to learn but if you're able to cue and explain the poses explain the benefits and just welcome and invite your students in a very warm, welcoming way, like you're going to be fine. Season two, I will start a new series called Ask the Doc. If you have questions related to musculoskeletal injuries or musculoskeletal health, please send me a voicemail. Go to my website at www.weouilove.com, click on the tab Voicemail, leave your voicemail, and select messages will be aired and answered on the segment. Now, back to the episode. I'm still learning different, like, teaching techniques, like, during my journey, too. Like, I... I watch a lot of Chelsea Jackson Roberts. She's on Peloton, if anyone has the app. Um, she's really great. She's a Black woman, AKA. And yeah, no, I personally don't like the way the teacher in my training teaches. Like, it's just really, I don't know. I just don't like it. So I watch a lot of other people who do yoga, specifically Black women. So has it been challenging with, with COVID? I guess you don't do in-person training like you normally would do. It's a lot of virtual training. Is that? Yeah, so it's a lot of virtual. Everything's virtual. I did think about going to like an outside class, like somewhere for people in Jersey, somewhere in like West Orange where there's a lot of grass, but I just, I just never did it. But (laughs) once the weather gets a little warmer, I definitely want to do something outside, social distance, obviously, but I would like to do something more in person because I'd like to ask more questions about my form and whatnot because you don't really get that 
that you don't get that virtually. And I think when you're in person, you get to connect better with students. So I'm looking forward to better days because, <laughs> you know, it's just building connections with people that I want. Yeah, and I'm sure some of it's like, t- like I know when I go to yoga, sometimes they like, they'll, you know, if they ask first, if they can test you to make sure you do the, the poses co- correctly. That's good. The they they correct. train us. They train us that in our course. Like you have to be polite, ask people if they want to be touched and helped and assisted. So that's that's good. That lets me know that my teacher knows what she's doing. I mean, she does, but <laughs> that's good to hear you say that. What are briefly the different types of yoga? Yeah. So you, um, we mentioned a few of these, but I'm going to, one, first I want to talk about the one that I'm most passionate about is Hatha yoga. So Hatha yoga is the most popular and common one. So basically all that is, you're just breathing movement and relaxation to really just help form union within the body. So you're really doing a lot of physical, it's a lot of physicality, a lot of physical movements involved but it's connected with our breath. So if you think, what's a popular pose? Okay, downward dog. That's a pose where, you know, it's a lot of movement going on, but at the same time you're doing, you're breathing throughout that pose, right? So it's a lot of breathing movement and relaxation to help to achieve union within the body, mind, and spirit. And to really just help achieve overall improved mental health and well-being. I know like yoga says history proves that, you know, it was originated in India, but studies are showing like hi- hieroglyphics and um, different artwork that was found in Egypt is studying that originated in Africa. And that's known as comedic okay. yoga because that's, so that's the story I'm going with because uh, <laughs> I've done my own research. They don't teach this in my training, but comedic yoga, that's what's the, the form of yoga that was originated in Egypt. Kemetic yoga was started in North Africa and it kind of just carried its way onto India. Yoga is literally the same thing as Hatha yoga. So if someone asks, was it formed in India? Not really, no. Just people that formed it in Egypt, they they carried it over and migrated over into India. And that's why it's so well known as being formulated in India like 5,000 something years ago. I'm just going to briefly touch on some of the other ones. Vinyasa. The names I've most heard of was Vinyasa Hatha. Yeah, Bikram is something I don't have any plan on touching. So Bikram is basically really hot yoga. Like it's hot, hot yoga. I don't, I don't personally do it. 110 degrees. I've done it before. And then they do the same poses. Well, it seems like they do the same sequences. Yeah, so it, they hold the, the same sequences. It's like twenty six postures, I think, and they hold it and they do that. It's like not. It's like two hours long, right? When you did it, no, no, no. Oh wow, yeah, no. Yeah. That's what like the research I saw. It was interesting, but I would never do Bikram yoga. And then you have, and then what's the difference between Vinyasa and Hatha? Because one of them to me, when I used to go, I used to do like at least one class a week. One was more like slow and one of them was more a little upbeat as far as with the position i feel like i got to work out the other one was more yeah relaxing. so honestly they're in my mind they're like the same thing but obviously like you know when you're explaining to someone who doesn't know much about yoga hatha yoga is a little it's more physical you're moving a lot more vinyasa is you're moving a little slower, slower and it's a lot you're more aligned with the breath like your breath and your body are aligned and 
it's it's just flowing like you're i don't know how to explain like you're gonna feel it like when you're doing like a vinyasa flow it just flows with the body and it flows with your breath like it's you're more aligned hatha yoga is a lot more movement vinyasa you hold the poses you sometimes you hold the pose a little bit longer but i would say the main difference is the physicality aspect you move a little bit more with hatha yoga it's a lot more movement okay yeah okay so what are the other, other types? types? Yeah, I'll prickly go over those. So you have karma yoga, which is, I've never done any of these other ones. I just focus on hatha yoga. But give karma yoga is the practice of selfless service um, leading to righteous living. You have bhakti, which um, is pretty popular. And that's the practice of love and devotion leading to emotional development. And you also have mantra yoga, which explores the influences of sound vibration in a universe, which science tells us makes up for vibration, which is made up of vibrations. And those are, um, and the one last one, Raja yoga. Um, this is yoga of meditation. So the other ones aren't really more, they're more, I guess, things that people do to meditate. It's not really kind of like you go to a class. Yeah, it's not like, other. I don't really see classes in those specific forms like jhana okay. yoga it's okay. it's more something that was created and implemented by the indians and they've kind of shared that once they've come over to once they've carried those same ideas over into the u.s they just formula they just carry that over and introduce that to us so i don't really like i said i don't really see that but you can definitely do research i'm sure you can find a class but it's not they're more focused on like meditation and our emotional development, the other ones. It boosts your immune system. It can improve your, as far as it can improve your sex life in different like positions. Like it just makes you more flexible, improves uh, anxiety and stress. It boosts the, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is repons- responsible for us resting. It just literally like you want to just improve your serotonin levels it'll do that serotonin i'm sure most of you know that's a neurotransmitter that's responsible for us being happy it it really just if you just if having a bad day it helps with racing thoughts it helps helps you focus yeah calmness awareness clarity i mean it's a really huge list but i know if someone ever asks you why do yoga why not and there's science that proves that there's so many health benefits too. If people try to argue with that, like it can heal you emotionally, physically. It, it has a lot of benefits. It's, the benefits there, it's just endless. So what are some yoga poses that people can do at home if they can't afford to go yeah. to the studio or with COVID now, people are still a little bit apprehensive of being in groups and going to uh, studios? Yeah, so the most popular one is child's pose. This is a really great pose if you're looking to relieve stress or anxiety. So it's going to be hard to explain it via audio, but you just typing on Google or if you go to my Instagram, you can see me doing it. It's very restorative. When, you, when you're doing, you're breathing in and out through the nostril, it really helps to just relieve whatever emotions, excuse me, that you're holding inside. Another great pose is cat cow. You're basically popping your butt out and then rolling the back in. You know, it's like I said, it's better if you see it done, but this is really good restorative pose. And you can do this for as long as you want. It strengthens and lengthens the spine. 
And that's the beauty about yoga. Like each pose provides a different benefit. Most of them do for your overall mm-hmm. health. And you may, you may think mm-hmm. it's not doing nothing to your body, but trust me, your body is going to like appreciate it later. It may not be doing anything, but it's going to be doing a lot at the same time. Um, another good one is downward dog, which is probably my favorite. This for some people it may be uncomfortable, but I just think downward dog just detoxifies your entire system. It you just feel better. And you if anyone who's done it, you get what I'm saying. Like you just feel so much better. You have so much more clarity. Your heart chakra is just open and wide. You're you just feel better. What's the yeah, heart chakra? The heart chakra. Yeah. So that is one of the seven energy sensors that run along the spine. So that's the chakra translated in Sanskrit means wheel. So it's just a wheel of energy that runs for the top of the head toward the base of our spine. So the heart chakra is like, right, you know, our heart. heart yeah, so it's our heart. heart. So that color, the heart chakra is associated with the color green. So... Mm-hmm. Some ways it's a little little tidbit here. Some ways to know your heart chakra is blocked. You're just really like, you know, you're angry or you're just really mean or something is sitting heavy on your heart and you want clarity about it. You just need to open it up. Mm-hmm. There are some poses you can do to open up your heart chakra, such as camel pose. Yeah, camel, camel pose. Okay. Yeah, and I think one Bible verse I like to think of that, and I think. Why I think the heart chakra is the most important one. Proverbs four twenty three, where it says, "Guard your heart, for everything flows through it." So we always mm-hmm. have to keep that protected and just keep the energy, the positive energy flowing through. So if you just feel, bit- if you're feeling this really bitter, that's usually a sign that your heart chakra is blocked. So what are the other shocks? Am I saying it correctly? Yeah, chakra. Yeah, chakra. Yeah, yeah. You're saying it right. So you have, it starts at the base with the root chakra, which is responsible for survival and feeling grounded. That's red. You have the sacral chakra, which is responsible for your creativity and your sexual energy. So, you know, (laughs) I don't know the length I can go here, but like if if you're not, if you're feeling like creatively stifled, one, if you're just kind of not having the best sex life, you know, you kind of, you got to open up that sacral chakra. The, after the sacral, you have the solar plexus, that's green, associated with green. And that's responsible. I'm sorry, I'm lying. <laughs> solar plexus is yellow. Woo. Okay. Solar plexus is yellow. That is responsible for our confidence, our self-esteem and our power. Then you have our heart, which is the most important one. We just went over that. And then you have the Okay, so we have four. Then you have the crown chakra, and then you have the, I think I'm missing one. You have the crown, and then you have the um, throat chakra. I'm sorry. And then you have the crown. The crown stops, stops at the crown. That's just at the head. So all these just run along the spine. They're re- responsible for our emotional health and well being. Okay. And yo, in certain poses, help different chakras. Chakras, yeah. Like I don't. I'm still studying that, but I okay. I just do what works for me. Like, I feel like my heart chakra and my solar plexus are like the main ones I have to work on. So I focus most of my energy towards that. But, you know, you know, definitely take some time to research it. You know, there's so much to learn about them, but it's definitely can, 
it can help you. And I think you, I don't know if you've watched on um, the Disney movie Soul, but they kind of mentioned that in the okay. movie. That's about, yeah. I never seen the whole movie. I started watching it the other day and never finished it. Yeah, yeah. so you'll know what they're talking about. Okay. <laughs> they start talking about the heart chakra. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Wonderful. What would you say to a lot of men claim that yoga is just for women? I've heard. Oh, I've heard, particularly African American guys, and then oh, they claim they're not as flexible and they can't do the poses. So, what would you say to them? Because I think when I do go to yoga classes and I see the guys and they're flexible, I think it's so sexy. <laughs> what? Listen, <laughs> let me let me answer this, please. I am dying to answer this question. So, first of all, I think more men need to do yoga because it boosts your awareness and boosts your self esteem your strength, your power, and get this, fellas. It improves your sex life. It does because you're stretching. You're becoming more flexible, which allows you to be more flexible, you know, when you're with your partner. First of all, yoga was, is very much, the roots of yoga is for men. It was created by men. It, when it was brought over here, it was brought over here by men. People in America, I would say Western culture has made it more feminine because men, it's mostly women do it a lot. But yoga was intended for men when it was like originated, even back like in like Egypt, like it was intended for men. I would just you'd have to do your homework, like stop listening. People need to stop listening to everything they say on social media. Like half of the stuff, information that's being shared is just not true. And if you would just take a moment and do some digging and research for your own, you're going to be a lot of information is going to be revealed to you. And, you know, there are a lot of black male yoga teachers of color that you can research well you know try to find one of the classes they do because sometimes you know men not may not feel comfortable in the class for a woman straight male male may not mind that but um yeah just do the research men i mean yoga is intended for men yoga is intended for everybody but you kind of just have to do what works for you try beginner levels course and then you'll really see the benefits show up especially is really good for people who have addictions so like drug and alcohol it's good for people with that type of background so yeah just find an instructor you like and get started what are some like breathing techniques that you can share with my listeners that can help with anxiety and stress yes this is a good one so basically what we're going to do you will breathe in through the nostril twice Take a deep breath. Just sit there for a second and exhale through the nostril twice. That's really good if you're going through racing thoughts or if you're exercising and you're, you know, just very active. You're doing a lot of like active workouts and whatnot. That's good to do then. Another great breathing technique. What is it called? So we have the rhythmic and nostril breathing. And then you have belly breathing as well. This is really great like when you're laying down. So you basically just kind of let the belly, it's harder to explain (laughs) on audio, but you basically, when you exhale, you let the belly rise up and inhale, just bring the belly back in. That's a really good pose. And you can always just breathe in and out, like breathe in through the nostril and then breathe out through the mouth is really helpful. Some people don't like it, but um, you really just have to do what works for you. And those are like the two main ones I go to, the rhythmic and nostril breathing. Again, it's like the same thing. But that really helps me when I'm having like racing thoughts or if I'm just overthinking way too much. I just count on that nostril breathing to get me through. 
So we're going to breathe in. You can breathe in twice. Mm-hmm. And you, you completely forget. Well, sometimes you can forget, but it helps you focus on your breath. Okay. What do you say to people who think yoga, meditation, and uh, breathing techniques are just not for them? Yeah. They think, I don't know, they think it's not a waste of time, but it's like it won't really help them. <laughs> yeah. Um. One, they probably have not tried it, and they need to try it before you can make judgment. And usually I find the people who say that, they just want attention and they want the clout. Like, I was in a clubhouse room, and, oh, God, I think we talked about this before we started recording. People are just so ignorant. Like, I'm just like, I think some dude said, oh, yoga does nothing. Have you tried it? And his answer was no. Mm -hmm. I was just like, you sound ridiculous one two like just try it you're not gonna until you try it and you shouldn't listen to the misinformation like try to connect with a yoga teacher or some meditation coach and ask excuse me and ask questions do your research google is free tell me about your podcast like what oh, you yeah about. so i concentrate on topics around mental health and wellness specifically for women of color. So the message I try to drive every episode is what resource or value is this going to provide a woman of color and how is this going to help how is this going to help improve her overall mental health and well being. So it's really just giving them the tools they need to just be the best versions of themselves. Because that's really what we all need. But I feel especially as black women, we we're so strong. We're being strong for everybody else, but and we're not taking care of ourselves. So what would you tell, I, ha- I have a lot of listeners who are runners and mm-hmm. how, what the, the specific benefits of yoga to runners? Yeah. So for runners, you definitely want to make sure you're kind of nourishing your ankles and kind of relaxing your ankles there, stretching out the legs before you start running. So my best tip for that is to sit on, lay on your back your legs up in the air, kind of flex and point your feet. This nourishes your flex and points your your feet. This nourishes the ankles. I may do a video about that just and just so you guys can see what it looks like. But I would definitely suggest runners do that little asana pose. It doesn't really have a name. It's called feet to sky. So just lay down on your back and put your feet up and flex and point your feet. I would probably suggest doing warrior two where all you're doing, you just extend your arms out and your one knee is bent forward. Again, you can Google that, look it up. Warrior two would be really great for runners. But those are the two things I would suggest runners do. So I will um, put a link to your like your Instagram page so people can find some of those poses so if they're unfamiliar with yeah. them. So where else can my let you have a podcast, Instagram, where else can Yeah, so everything's on my Instagram. Like I make it very simple. Just click on the link, you'll get everything you need. Working on some other stuff. So this that's the best way to keep up with my podcast is there and any other projects I'm working on, but I'm not working on anything right now. But yeah, just follow me there. Any last minute words for my listeners about yoga, mental health? Just try it. If you've never done it before, just try it. And my one tip to stay consistent, just remind yourself of how you feel after you're done practicing. Like, how does it make you feel? And just stick with that to keep you consistent. 
But thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. See you guys later. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email runitischeaperthantherapy, O-L-B, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's runitischeaperthantherapy, Omaha Love Brown, at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. O-U-I Life, O-U-I Love. Thank you, and please tune in again.